spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin Review, made by the fans for the fans. It's with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OC. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music man's number one supplier. Fly it in a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right. Cajun Nation. Welcome back. Season 4 of Raging Review, Matt Miguez, Jerry Abair, Man About Town, Josh Jagno. Y- you guys, y- y'all know that for season 4, we-, we had to bring the heat. Yes, sir. <laughs> Once again, excited. Oh, oh man, that was that that was my first ever performance as an audio mixer, and that was fucking fantastic. Welcome to Rage and Review Season Four. Once again, Matt Miguez, Jerry Abear, Josh Jagno. What's up, boys? What's up, fellas? Hey, season man. Four. I'm yeah, dude, year 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 four. Yeah, what's up, Cajun Nation? Happy, uh, happy new season, and um, hope you enjoy. Hope everybody's enjoying their summer right now. I know I am enjoying the break, getting a little bit of breathing room, taking a deep breath, taking a quick sip of water, and hey, what is it? Two, three weeks football reports. Yeah, beginning of three August. Weeks? Man, beginning of August. It's here. It's almost Look, here. Phil Steele's already got his magazine out, so it's like the unofficial, official beginning of football. So, And then Media Day starts, what, next week? Media Day is the 22nd. It's Thursday. Next Thursday. Thursday. Wow, next week. Yeah, there you yep, go. Next week. There you go. Man. Yeah, man. We, oh. You know, we got a lot to talk about. Um, a, a lot's happened in the, the three, four-week hiatus that, that, uh, that we took. <laughs> but, you know, it was nice to kind of decompress – because, I mean, for people that, that don't really know the ins and outs of podcasting, it takes a lot of work to put this together. It really does. So to have the the three, four-week break that falls in between sports in the, in the early summer it is really nice to just, you know, breathe, recollect yourself, and get prepared for this upcoming season. And I'm excited about it. Um, you know, we've already done a bunch of a bunch of big things so far in this new year that uh, that you'll find out about very soon. But uh, kick this episode off. In case you haven't been on social media the last week or so, Rage and Review has merch now. We should be recording this Zoom so that Josh and I could could show it off for you. We're both rocking it. Jerry's the odd man out because he Sorry, hasn't come. Guys. He hasn't picked his up yet, but that's okay. Look, I ride. I ride for the brand, man. I ride hard. I got the kids wearing the shirts. I'm wearing the shirt. You know, it's a nice looking shirt, quality shirt, very nice design. 
big shout out to Matt because they really look really good. Hey. Um, so if you're if you're interested in some t-shirts, you're in the market. Couldn't couldn't have done it with review merch is shot. Couldn't have done it without the boys at Perfect Fits. But uh yeah, man, we're selling shirts for twenty dollars. So uh if, if you're interested in one, like I said, we posted them on social media. We'll post them again tomorrow, uh Friday, because we're doing a pre-order right now and it's through July twenty-third. So next Friday, July twenty-third is the last day that you can order to guarantee it before football season. Yeah, and just another quick input. Um, it's like kind of like American Apparel shirts, if you guys are familiar with that. Parish Inc. uses a lot of American Apparel stuff, so they fit like that, but they're a little bit lighter. Uh, they don't shrink. They're, I think, a third cotton, like 30% cotton. Yeah, it's 65 um, polyester, 35 cotton. So, that no, they're, they're good-looking shirts, and they fit well, and uh, I'm happy to wear it, happy to rep the brand. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I will come pick mine up very soon. I've been slacking. Yeah, I'm you, sorry. This summer's you need to, You need to... No, yeah, you, you've been lazy, all right, hanging out at the beach, you little <laughs> world traveler, you. I know, right? I got to enjoy that crystal clear water while it's there, man, before uh, football season. We're, we're, sitting, we're sitting here working like dogs in South Louisiana, and Jerry's just going to Fort Lauderdale and Destin and putting his hey, little man. toes in the sand, whatever, man. Well, the, the beauty of my career is I, I can work from, well, not just about anywhere, but uh, as long as I have a cell phone on me, I'm good to go. Josh, so. you hear him bragging? That's so not fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sipping his Mai Tais out in uh, Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> my <right now>. <laughs> Over here sweating our asses off. Oh, on. my God. Yeah, you know, it was it was a cool 94 today in Lafayette. Oh. I don't know well, if it was actually that hot, but it felt like that. Because we've been, we've been getting weird, like, breezes with rain. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden it just gets hot again. It's, it's, it's been strange, but you know, I, I just hope um, all you fans out there, all you listeners have been just um, kind of, like I said earlier, unwinding a little bit and uh, catching your breath, getting your vacations and having some fun, because I tell you, man, this is going to be a very, very exciting athletic year for Raging Cajun athletics. And that's what we're going to talk about today. There's so much that's happened. Like Matt said, over the just the past month yeah and not just on the field but off the field well COVID god the, the big the biggest the biggest news I mean, has been off the field yeah and we, we'll talk about that more in depth uh in this episode but this is kind of our welcome back episode this is kind of our episode to kick off the uh 2021 2022 raging cajun athletic year and man we're we're excited uh the hype for September 4th, the hype for the upcoming year in all sports is, is it's pr- pretty much not to exaggerate, but one of the highest that we've had as oh, a fan base in a very long 100%. time. 100%. So. This, this, this is, this is definitely the, the biggest year on Reinhardt drive for, for numerous reasons, but uh, you know, let, let's just go down the list that we made of, uh, of things to cover tonight. We'll start with the baseball program, having four players getting drafted in this year's MLB draft. And uh, we'll go. We'll go in order. We'll we'll talk a little bit about each draftee. And uh, number the first guy I picked was uh, Spencer Arigetti, going in the sixth round, pick number one seventy eight to his hometown Houston Astros. And you know that that's got to be the dream. How sick is it? Get, getting drafted awesome. by your hometown team. Now, who thought he would go in the sixth round? No, nah. not me. I didn't. And 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 didn't. you know what else is sweet? I looked up the slot value. His signing bonus, according to the article that I read, somewhere in the neighborhood of three fifty. Yeah, I mean, 
That's nice, nice little start to your life if you're gonna go play pro ball. <laughs> a nice little start to your life. Dude, I hey, could uh, I could I could sit at home retired for like the next 10 years. Yeah, well, I'd do it for free. So I mean but here's the thing, you know, he's gonna end up having a girlfriend, wife type scenario here in the next few years. Maybe a kid comes along. Having a little money to sit on. Yeah, for uh, sure. It's gonna be nice. It's gonna be nice. For sure. So uh, I'm excited. Six round to the Strohs. I mean, look, if anybody everybody's pretty much Astros fans around here, so they're going to continue to follow his career, which is even cooler, yeah, you know, too. because I know Spencer really liked it here in Lafayette. And, and that's, that's awesome. That's awesome for him. What makes what makes it exciting for Spencer is he's going in with the right attitude. You know, since he's been here, he's been, you know, some people say he's overly confident, but he's got that swagger about him. And you need that type of attitude, whether you're getting drafted in the sixth round or the 60th round, right? You need that type of attitude going in because, you know, as we all know, the minor leagues, is, it's a grind. And, you know, there's going to be some days where you, you're just like, man, I want to go home. There's going to be some days where you're like, man, I, I love this. It, it is very up and down. I've talked to a few people who've played in the minors and you're going to have your good days and your bad. And if you have that type of attitude that, that Spencer has where he's just motivated and, and, and ready to roll, um, he's going to he's going to make it. He's going to make it. Um, and, and, and what better way for him to have that opportunity than to play for a team like the Astros, which have players that have that same type of mentality. Yep. So he's, he's going to go through the grind. Um, and, and I really have a lot of confidence in him, but man, I, I'm, I'm just so happy for him because he's such a good guy too. And yep. uh, he has, he has a good hand on his shoulders and, and he's, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do in the minors and hopefully work his way up to the, to the majors. And hopefully we'll be able to take a trip to Minute Maid one day in a couple of years. And the juice box. Get to see, the, get, to see uh, get to see Spencer Arrigetti on the mound for the Strohs. Yeah, he's got a shot to be a preferred type of pitcher yeah. in a six-round pick situation. Second player taken off the board in the 10th round, number 302 by the Toronto Blue Jays. A cookie monster. No surprise there. No surprise there. We, Connor we Cook. And what's, you know, one thing I have to say about Connor is that, you know, from the beginning of this year, nobody expected him to be a weekend guy, let alone the, the weekend guy next to Spencer. And, well, shit, uh, after three starts, nobody thought he would get meaningful innings. Right, it was a exactly. rough go out of the gate there for a minute. <laughs> and the way he worked his way up, the way he was able to uh, overcome his obstacles and his adversity and to get to position himself to even get drafted yep. was, was outstanding. It was really enjoyable to watch his path uh, this past year and work his way into a, the weekend rotation, pretty much being probably the most dependable guy at the end 100%. of the year. 100%. He was the most dependable and, guy. Yeah, so I mean, him getting he was he he was our ace round. the last month uh, of the year. Oh, no he, question. He, once no he question. moved to the Saturday, he was flat out dominant. But but to see him get drafted in the tenth round, it's no surprise there. And and he's he's another one just like Spencer. He's he's going to make it because he, we've seen him get overcome adversity. So he's yep. got everything it takes. He's got the tools it takes. Now it's just a matter of him getting on the mound and performing. Right. He's he's now he's a, got everything else. Just he, he's just now perform. a he's now a resident of the Great White North. Oh my. Praying for that dude from going, <laughs> going, going from Sulphur and Lafayette up to Toronto. Handle the snow, He's, he's, he's going to need a brand new closet. Do you guys yeah. know where their rookie ball uh, team is? No. Mm, probably somewhere in the Northeast or. I bet you it's down here somewhere. No, I, I think it's uh, up in the Northeast uh, in the tri-state area. It's definitely somewhere on cold where it's yeah. cold. I know, I know that they're, um, they're, Triple A team is in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Another triple A team is in Buffalo. 
So Thank look, I actually thought Connor would go a little bit earlier than that. I thought he I'm would too. For him, I'm thrilled for him. Uh, I tell you this, I got dragged on message boards for saying this, but if I would have told you we had two top ten round picks in our starting rotation, I'd have thought you were crazy. Us, I, I think most of us would have thought we won more than thirty two games in the regular season. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and you know, to to go even further than that, how about three pitchers getting taken in the top fifteen rounds? Right, because you know, in the third round, well, in, in go ahead, go ahead. In the fifteenth round, Connor Angel got taken by the Tampa Bay Rays with pick number four hundred and sixty-one. I think what I'm most surprised about is the fact that, and look, no disrespect, but. We all know how much Connor struggled towards the yep. end of the year. For him to get drafted and to get drafted that high, well, that that shows you. But, that, but that goes that awesome. goes that goes to show you the potential that this kid has. He struggled. Well, he struggled this year. He even struggled majority of last year and the year before. And the fact that I he was still think, taken in the fifteenth round. But I also think it goes back to the old. Uh, cradle that 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 tony used to say work while you wait yeah you know i mean look for sure he wasn't getting much time on the mound but he was probably working a lot and waiting a lot and you know to you know it's all come full circle um the fact that he's gotten drafted after you know we talked about it earlier this year the poor guy could barely throw a strike at practice and now he's he's a major league team picked him up you know so there must have been something that these scouts saw that were behind closed doors. Oh yeah, I mean the kids, the kids, the kids got major potential. And that's great. And, and I'm he, so he's happy he's got him. he's got the build. I mean he's six five. You you remember when he was on? He's got a fastball that's ninety four. Yeah, super ninety five has has a huge velocity to it. So I mean oh, yeah, yeah, the the kids the kids made to be a pro pitcher. I think well, the, look. It's not just velocity, though. He's a, he's not a max effort guy. He's There's still room to grow for him. The thing about Connor Angel is that he's been a reclamation project since he went to JUCO, since he got recruited here, since uh, he couldn't get on the mound for us. He's right. got the measurables, and you know, you guys know this as much as anybody, but the majors, the major league teams, when they scout you, they they draft off of potential. And he's always had the potential. He just can't put it together mentally. And that's no knock on him. It's just the truth. He just has never been able to put together um, the mental game. He throws hard and he's got crazy movement and that's great and everything, but you still got to know how to pitch. And somebody believed uh, maybe even kind of like Phil Devey and, and Jutt and, and Austin, you know, they were willing to take him on as a project. So hopefully he's gotten better at the mental side of things, but you know, at the end of the day, he got drafted on potential. Uh, I hope it works out for him, but every team needs guys to fill rosters. And at this point, that's what I think Connor Angel is. You never know what can happen once he's in a system and he's a professional and he does it every single day. Um, but, hey, he got, he, got, he got drafted, so good for him. He did work while he waited, so I guess that's true. And, and are you guys ready for the biggest surprise of the draft? It now took – you only having two? It took – well – <laughs> Damn. Oh went, boy. He went there. No. He went there. The fact that Drake Osborne was on the board until the 19th round. Well, as much as we love Drake, you have to also understand in the business, he's a six year player. He had zero leverage. He has a little bit of an injury history. 
Um, prior to this year, he was a 237 hitter. So, you know, obviously something clicked this year and maybe moving him around in the lineup and he produced when he was called upon. He, I mean, look at his slug, look at his on-base percentage, look at all that, all the, all the, uh, all the analytical data that you want to look at. It, it, it was good. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, he just didn't have a ton of leverage. Now we watched him play day in, day out, played hurt, played great defense. He threw runners out. He was a captain on the field. You want all those things. But man, there's so many catchers out there that can that can play. I just I think it all came down to the fact that he had little leverage, and that's why he lasted to the 19th round. But at the same time, look, the draft was only 20 rounds this year. He got an opportunity to go chase his dream almost at the last second. I'm I'm thrilled for the guy. I actually, got no, to I mean 100. I talked to him the, that that afternoon, and uh, I mean he was just over the moon, dude. He, he was excited. His family's excited. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to keep up with him because, uh, Drake's one of my favorite ball players of all time and he deserved a shot. So hopefully he can do something with it. And also think too, when you really think about it, you know, the year before when he was at Texas A&M was at Corpus Christi, he was a third team, all Southland conference player. So he already had some notoriety, but to come to the Sun Belt, which is, you know, pretty much a better conference than, than the Southland and to get more notoriety, to get more experience and to see his bat come alive to see him the way he has his rea- his reaction at the plate. You know, yeah, man, I do agree. It would have been interesting to see him go a little bit higher, but also too, look, I mean, he his health health-wise, he wasn't hundred percent this year. There were times where he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't fully healthy to where he still performed in spite of that. And so I think that might have hurt him a little bit, but now he's got a full offseason to recover. He's got a full offseason to kind of recompose himself hopefully come next season when he's ready to go into the minors and, and get some experience that he's back to hundred percent health and he could pick up from where he left off while playing for the Cajuns. So I think just the fact that he's got that opportunity, I like the fact that he's, like you said, Josh, he's already ecstatic that he got drafted in a 20 round draft. I think now the, the, the sky's the limit for him. Now he can go out regardless of what round you're picked in, he can go out and prove himself. And I think he's got all of the mechanics He's got the skill behind the plate to do that. He's got the right attitude to do that. And I hope that he has, he can get a good number of years in and eventually work his way up to the top. Yeah. Nobody's going to outwork him. The only downside to this is that he was kind of set to come back to Lafayette as an assistant to Diggs. And uh, that's not going to happen now. So that's the only sad thing for us, but great things and great things ahead for, for Drake. I'm thrilled. It's not a bet. It's not a bad plan B, is it? it. <laughs> to get That's drafted right. by the New York was it the New York Mets? Um, yeah. Hey, right, right now, right now, playing for the Mets doesn't seem like such a bad idea. No, not at all. Not with a uh, with with Polar Bear Petey. Yeah. God, what a what a monster the other night, huh? Oh. Thirty-five home runs in the first round. And That's, he was just not even trying, just every yeah, swing, effortless swings. Every it was ridiculous. No doubters, too. Just every it was ridiculous. Anyways. Yeah. I think the next thing we need to talk about is probably the biggest news college football's had since the playoff. And that, of course, I'm talking about the new NIL law that got put in two weeks ago today, actually. Um, Name, image, and likeness, basically, layman's terms, college football players, college athletes can now profit off of themselves. They can sign autographs. They can take pictures. They can host camps. 
endorsement deals, uh, commercials, billboards, wh- whatever you want to, whatever you, whatever avenue you want to choose, uh, players can profit off of it now. And uh, from a, from a Cajun standpoint, I mean nobody's done it better than Levi Lewis so far. Um, day one, he signed a deal with the Lafayette Department of Tourism and the Eat Lafayette campaign. You know, guys, I think I think the biggest question that we have to talk about with NIL is, is it good or bad for college sports? Well, we all knew the day was coming. Um, I mean, they've been talking about this for, for – Thank Jerry for us. I think where the issue lies is – how it's sort of like the whole one and done deal in college basketball. It's sort of like what we might talk about with the transfer portal. How, how far can it go? That's, I think to me, that's the biggest concern because, you know, um, I just feel like right now, if you look at what's going on with um, certain players, certain teams, um, you're looking at these, some of these deals, some of these players make are making right now. One of the guys, I believe, and I don't want I don't remember his name, but had like a $2 million deal and he's not even playing oh, you, for a division one about, school. You're talking about Master Peace son, man. Yeah. Him, Master Peace son. Yeah. Why, why does he have a $2 million deal? Who's well, your daddy? Well, that's a but money that, laundering scheme right and there. I understand Come on, that. man. But two million dollars, and you're not, and, and he's playing at HBCU, which is great. But he's not even playing at one of the big boy schools like the Alabamas, the LSU's, the Floridas. He's playing at a smaller college. So my question is, in something in a, in a situation like this, and yes, I understand it's masterpiece, son. But where do you draw the line? I think my big thing is, bro, if you want to do this, you got to cap it, man. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be dollars. No, because then then you then you're opening up a whole nother shithole. Here's the thing. I'm all for it 100 percent and I'm gonna tell you why. The NCAA has been profiting off of these kids for 30 years now. For 30 years now, been making millions and millions of dollars off of them. That's and what is the buddy. and what is the NCAA given to, the, to them? Nothing. Nothing. I am get yours. There has not been anything amateur about college athletics since the 90s. Nothing. Nothing has been amateur. I mean, dude, look look at Reggie Bush. You, you think you think the stuff that Reggie Bush was doing while at USC was wrong? No, it was freaking smart. It was just against the rules of the time. These kids have been used as marketing chips for years and have gotten nothing for it. I mean, bro, I mean, I was, I was upset as as much as the next guy when the college football games went away, but I 100% understood why those kids wanted to get paid and they deserve to get paid. You you think, you think LeBron James is going to be on a 2k video game for free? God, no. So why why should we expect a college athlete to do the same thing? I don't I don't think that for the, the same problem. treatment. 
And I don't think that's a problem. I think where it becomes a problem is your bigger schools are going to be able to to one up you in competition and recruiting and stuff well, I mean, because they're going to be able to pay you millions of dollars as opposed to say like a like a Louisiana that can't. And and you know, I mean, dude, that's that, that's the nature of the beast. That's just well, the way it is. But we're going back to square one of it being like we talk about expanding the playoff. We're going back to square one in that regard. Now, I don't think, I don't disagree. I think, look, players should be paid something. They should be compensated something, but you don't want to turn it into a black market either. Um, That's where I think it becomes dangerous because you're seeing some of these bigger schools, they're going to milk the hell out of that. You're going to look at these boosters that have already abusing the system. And why why shouldn't they? It's their money. They have the right to do what they want with it. They do. They do. But at the same time, I just don't think I, and look, I don't disagree. i look, it's fair game. I just don't think it's going to create a better product. You know what I mean? Like I, in other words, you're going to create monopolies with these big time schools. And well, yet schools I, like us, we're not going to have that. We're not going to be able to compete with that because if you're paying a player, however much money it is and look, and rightfully so look, if you're, like Leonard Fournette or T- Tim Tebow or Vince Young or someone like that. Back well, I mean, in the day. Let, let, let's I be let, that, let's but. be totally honest. Those that's the only people that are going to really profit from NIL anyway. Are those type of so. guys? You know, sure. your, I mean, I your 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 Spencer Rattlers, your Derek Stingleys. You know, those, I mean, really, what you're doing, man, you're bringing to light what's been happening. Exactly, quote unquote, illegal. It's been thing, happening. Yes. So no, um, nothing's really changing except now, well, I do think, except I, now, I, you know, your, your smaller school, you know, your guys like Levi Lewis, well, I mean, are they, get, are they getting big bucks? No, but they're getting something. But I'll tell you what's going to change. And this is actually more of a detriment to the NCAA. It's going to be a lot more difficult for them to, because look, what's the big, what's been the biggest complaint as G5 fans, the NCAA plays favorites with bigger schools and they turn a blind eye to the schools they profit from the most, right? When they cheat, when they illegally recruit, when they do stuff, right? Right. It's going to be very interesting to see how the NCAA tries to abide by their rules. Now, no, they won't. That players are getting paid a certain way, and and it's and that that's the part I'm interested in. Well, because the there, there's definitely the, the the thing is is that if you read if you read the way that it's written, there's there's still you know there's a there's a line. There's not a cap to how much money they can make, but there's only certain things that they can do in order to profit. Right. Which I support. I mean, I think that's fair. Look, again, I have no problem with players getting like, okay, perfect, perfect example. I just don't want it to get out of hand. You know, perfect example. This past weekend, Shane Vallow hosted a football camp at Como. Mm -hmm. Kids, kids have been doing that for free for years. Oh yeah. Pay him, pay him for that. That's a service. Yeah, now these kids that's get to service. keep that money. Sure. I mean, it's like it's like cutting somebody's grass, you know, right? right? I mean, it's like going mow the lawn or go and, you know, help out. If, if, a, if, a, like, bis- like a, if a business job. if a business wants to put Levi Lewis outside their building and have an autograph signing and charge $5 an autograph, Levi gets to keep that now. Which is which is completely completely fine anyway because I mean, look, Levi probably, if he has a summer job, it's no different than a summer job. Right. I mean, heck. That's but before, that, that's the thing. I, I don't know how much of it's really going to change except for it helps out your smaller schools a little bit more. 
I just hope it doesn't get out of hand with these players no, being paid it, like it crazy millions. And it I mean, will. that's just that. That's I mean, it one it one hundred it one hundred percent will watch watch that it gymnast some, watch that gymnast from LSU. She's players, about to get paid. And some players may you know may have that type of name recognition and name brand to them. You know, um, like I mean, look at look at what happened with Zion a few years ago with the whole Nike debacle, right? I mean, now today. I mean, shoot, if he wanted to get paid by Nike, he probably could, you know? And, and that's why I also think it's going to be interesting to see how the NCAA tries to, I guess, police this because uh, they don't really police things well already, as well, we already know. So that's, now it's going to their own damn fault. It's going to well, get the really NCAA, good. their power is dwindling, and that's a wonderful thing because as soon as they try to start taking money out of these kids' pockets, these athletes are going to unionize. And as soon as they unionize, the NCAA will have very little power. And that cannot happen fast enough. But I wanted to say this. Jerry, you mentioned the larger schools and it hurting the smaller schools. Your Miamis, your Oklahomas, your LSUs, your your Ohio States, your UCLA's, USC's, they've been paying players since the 60s. They've been cheating and giving housing and giving cars and giving benefits since the 60s. You know who can't do that? The small schools. Even further, when Miami gets caught cheating, FIU gets blamed and gets punished. Right, and that's that's the point I was making about, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Now that the rules have changed to, to, it allows what's, like you said, what's being in the dark, been done in the dark, into the light. So everybody can do it, and it's a, a level playing field. It levels the playing field. In that regard. Now, twos and three stars are not going to be recruited by Oklahoma, Ohio State. They're just, it's never going to change because Ohio State is going to probably gain market share with your blue chip prospects and your four star prospects and your in state prospects. That's where it's going to change. Instead of Ohio State getting 10 five stars and, you know, uh, say, uh, uh, you know, Oklahoma State getting eight, like, you know, a typical regular recruiting year right. would go now it's going to be 25 stars because ohio state's going to pay more and they're going to have better relationships with sponsors etc none of that is going to change the way a louisiana a memphis uh, a houston a san diego state we're going to recruit the same way the only thing that's going to change is that we partnered with a guy like darlo to teach these kids how to make money for themselves it's all going to come down to what school is going to nurture my ability to earn money, teaching me how to set up a portfolio, show me how to market myself in the business place. That's how you're going to advance. You're going to get an advantage in the market from a recruiting standpoint. Everybody can make money at any school. These larger markets are irrelevant now. Uh, Anybody can, you know, Coca-Cola is in every somewhat major Metro area. Herbie Schilling can call up Levi Lewis right now and say, hey, man, you want a million dollars a year to be on the Coke truck? I mean, if that can happen in Lafayette, it can happen in any other town, college town, similar to our size or, you know, any Sunbelt school, really. Probably not Kusa because Kusa is a terrible conference, but, you know, but they also have larger markets. So maybe that's not even true. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that opportunity is out there in pretty much every small to medium size city in america you know like matt said it's gonna hurt or i'm sorry it's gonna help the larger schools 
but they're just going to get more top heavy. Okay. So that, that doesn't really affect us. And I look at everything from mid-major standpoint and G, I'm trying not to use G5, non-traditional power standpoint. That's the way I, I view things because I think, so they have this thing in real estate. It's a lot easier to make a terrible property bad than it is to make a good pro- property great. There's so much more growth potential from the bottom up than there is from, you know, middle up to up, if that makes any sense. We have way more to go. We have way more to grow. We have way more market share to gain. We have way more to sell to these, you know, maybe lower tier four-star, three-star, high two-star recruits that Billy and his staff is able to find. We have a lot going for us in this area. So uh, across the board for G5, I think it helps the smaller schools than it does hurts the G5 or non-traditional powers. Um, And that's my stance on it. I think where you're going to get into problems is when a relatively, you know, marketable name starts making inappropriate relationships. Like think of Johnny Menzel. Dude had really no moral compass. Say Pornhub calls up Johnny Menzel and says, hey, you want you want to put a sticker on the back of your helmet or you want to wear a Pornhub T-shirt and do a, a meet and greet? You know, Texas A&M is going to have to stay step in and be like, look, man, we get it and everything, but not great for the brand. You did yeah, the, right. like, OK, perfect example That's where you're going to have issues. Perfect example. BYU, a Mormon university. Told their players that they cannot sign deals with coffee companies. Right. Because Mormons don't drink coffee. You see, stuff like that, the university can step in and say, hey, you know, we're, we're cool with you guys doing this, but here's our line. Right. And in almost every instance, the university has to approve. Act- you know, you everything to has to be through. everything has to be sent to the university compliance office. Everything. Right. And and I, like the, and- I read UL's uh, NIL statement thoroughly, and there's a lot of filtration. But here's the thing. They're empowering the player. So they're going to, it's, it's a tightrope. You got to empower the player. You got to teach the player. You got to nurture all that stuff, but you also have to protect the brand. And I would really hate to be in compliance at that time. Oh yeah. 100%. That could get hairy. But at the same time, this is new. We're in a new world. This is all new legislation. We're going to hit some speed bumps. That's just the nature of the beast. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited to see how it goes because I know a lot of people are scared and, you know, it's the end of amateurism. And I think that's all a bunch of crap. I, I'm, I'm interested to see where it's going to go, because I'm telling you, the, the archaic way that the NCAA ruled over the players, the programs, the opportunities, the portal, all this other shit, it's changing so dramatically. Yep. And I'm just telling you, it this should have been phased in 20 years ago. Well, it's interesting because I think it should have been phased in when they were doing a lot of competitive alignment. Um, whenever Miami and you know teams that were moving to the ACC, and then you had the format, you had the you had the uh, the dissolvement of the Big East, right? You had the uh, you had SEC expansion. I thought back then would have been a better, more appropriate time because teams were leveraging themselves. You know, when Nebraska went to the Big Ten, teams were leveraging themselves for things like that, ge- geography. Um, market share, TV revenues. And I feel like now the only the only thing about it, and look, Josh, you make great points. I mean, look, I do think it does give a little bit of a level playing field. Again, I do think that the bigger schools definitely have um, definitely have more more leverage now because now they can just just start you know, show me the money. 
Um, and I hope that doesn't get out of hand. That's my biggest concern. I just hope it doesn't get out of hand too, too much. But um, I think now, uh, now that we do have more, like you said, we do have a little bit more of a level playing field, hopefully, um, you know, UL can capitalize on that. Like you said about Levi Lewis being able to do the Eat Lafayette and the Lafayette tourist, tourism industry and all that. Um, I, you know, my, my biggest concern now is also, and we talked about this, is, is how that's going to affect it with the, the transfer portal being simultaneous, you know, because now players can leave and go wherever they want. You know, they can go and say, well, I want to leave because I want to go get paid somewhere else, you know. I, and it's not necessarily a, a, a bad thing, but it's a concern. It's a concern because now you're going to see turnover with different teams and I'm going here because I can get, I can get this type of endorsement. I'm going there, blah, blah, blah. And I'm also curious, actually a question I want to bring up to you guys is I'm also kind of curious, uh, Jersey sales. Um, you know, if you go see the bigger schools, you see a lot of players with Jersey sales. I'm kind of curious to see, um, how that's going to work with the UCLA's and the USC's and the bigger what, markets. What, like what, LA. what universities let their kids sell jerseys? Well, I'm just saying if they do have that opportunity to do that um, now. No, um, nope. That is not part of this this NIL bill. But eventually, it might be. You know, I mean, eventually. yeah, and and as as I think it should be. Yeah. I mean, you you telling me that? Uh, perfect example. He he's been brought up numerous times. Levi Lewis. You telling me you wouldn't buy a Levi Lewis jersey and wear it to a game on a Saturday? Well, let's be honest. I mean, if you go look at any other team, I mean, I mean, look, I remember you telling me you telling me fans in Norman wouldn't wear a Spencer Rattler jersey right now. Well, look, if you go look at places like even across the basin of Baton Rouge, they were selling that number seven jersey a few years back. Yeah, and they they still are. Leonard, everybody knew it was for Leonard Fournette. It wasn't it wasn't some random number. You know, just like in Texas, they were selling number 10 jerseys in 2004, well, 2005. Well, also that wasn't random. That was for Vince Young. You know I mean? Every, 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 on the back. but every, every university has jersey numbers that they're allowed to sell. Like that well, is, right, but, that is a written rule in the NCAA. That is true, but let's be honest. Sometimes ours are, ours are coincidental. one. Well, it's ours, coincidental that those numbers tend to be. And yeah, and, and, LS, and LSU started selling number 18 after Matt Mock. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean it, it works that way. You know, but we we sell I think it will get there. I think we we, we sell there. we sell one, we sell twelve, and we sell ninety-eight. Yeah. And we used to do fifteen. We used to do fifteen as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's, it's, it, it, it's just it's just um, coincidental. Um and, and I think sometimes it's purposefully coincidental. But I just I just hope that all in spite of all of this, I just hope there's some discipline to it and that it doesn't get out of hand. Uh, you know, we've seen oh, everything learning else curve. gotten out of hand. Yeah. I, I, and then and again, I think the players should get paid and compensated for doing little things like volunteering, do, putting their name on a billboard or whatever. That's that's totally fair. Um, I just hope it doesn't get out of hand because everything no offense to the. Well, actually, yeah, I'll say about the NCAA, everything they touch gets out of hand. I hate to keep, say it. Everything they touch, you know. Keep this in mind also. Everything you do as an institution is on, it's a, it's recorded. So if your Oklahomas and your Ohio States start recruiting these kids and finding these big promotional deals and then make them some money, but they end up being reckless with how these players promote themselves, that's going to get back to the players, the parents, the coaches that they go to recruit to. So it might take four or five years but if, if a, you know, say a school like us, if we're responsible with how we push kids in the right direction to really market their own personal brand, mm 
if we do a good job of that and say App State doesn't, that's going to end up hurting App State in the in the future. And I'm using App State because they're a peer of ours. But, you yeah. know, in the SEC, use uh, you know, use Florida and LSU. I mean, those are peers. If you, as Florida, push kids to do business with shady people or, or shady brands that end up hurting themselves later, that's going to be a stain on your reputation. And that is going to cost, you know, that's going to cause some problems with recruiting down the road. That's something else that you have to keep in mind. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what what they decide to do with NIL going forward. All right, guys, we are going to do a segment that, you know, we kind of started at the end of baseball season and uh, never really got to pick on pick up on it from there. And uh, it's basically a we're going to rapid fire some some headlines real quick. And uh, we'll begin with Mark Jeffries, Louisiana tennis coach, announcing his resignation the other day. And he's resigned from his position to pursue other opportunities, according to the Louisiana Department of Athletics. Jeffrey joined the program in 2009, finished his tenure with a 191-127 overall record, and a national search for his replacement will begin immediately. In softball, Megan Shorman, a utility player, mostly a pitcher, from the University of Kentucky, has announced that she is transferring to Louisiana beginning in the 2022 softball season. Duguay men's basketball opts out of the NBA draft process and will return to Lafayette this fall. Cedric Russell has announced his transfer to Ohio State University, becoming the second Louisiana guard to transfer to a P5 program. And of course, with the Olympics, only one week away. We'll talk about it a little bit further in detail, but just to just to touch on it, Morgan Lola will participate in the Olympics in track and field in the pole vault. And I'm, I'm horrible at this. There are two international athletes that I believe are participating in gymnastics from UL as well. So three athletes all together participating in Tokyo. Like I said, beginning next friday so really cool stuff happening and also before before we before this music drops i got about 10 seconds baseball coaching changes we'll talk about it further as well jeremy talbot and bj ryan have both left the program and former Nichols head coach seth thibodeau will step in and be the pitching coach for matt deggs's staff so again a lot of things happening you know over the last couple of weeks and, you know, the next thing that I kind of want to get into, guys, is we're, we're going to talk we're going to talk about a little bit of raging Cajun golf. And I know that this is going to be Josh's domain. Um, so, Josh, I mean, I'm a golf I'm guy. The show. We've been lobbying the show. We got to do more golf. I'm, I'm a golf. I'm a golf guy. But it's open championship it's, weekend. It's, dude. OK. Do you realize I got a PGA Tour app notification at 1.15 a.m. this morning. Shame, <laughs> shame on you. You should have been awake. Tune in, tune in to the Open Championship. Like what? What's, what's better than coffee and golf, man? I mean. Sleep. My health. <laughs> I work. 
Listen, if you guys are not big Lynx golf watchers or players, oof, it's the absolute best. It's better. The older that I get, the more that I appreciate it more. Oh, I mean, I, I plan, I plan to dive into it this weekend. And and look, by but, the way, the People's Champ is five under and one shot back. Jordan Spieth, Darren, Louis on top again. It's been good. It's been a fun leaderboard during during the week. You know, if they start playing at one fifteen in the morning, that's that's brutal for a guy that needs his beauty sleep. Man, who was it? Like Albert Einstein that never slept but took twenty minute naps every four hours. He was pretty smart, so try it. God, whatever. Anyways, Charlie Flynn qualified for the hundred and twenty first. U.S. Amateur, Josh, you know, again, you're, you're the one that's in-depth on all this. So fill, fill us in on what's going on with Charlie Flynn. Man shot three under for his sectional tournament, and uh, I can't remember exactly what he shot Friday. It was disgusting, but he, I, I watched highlights. You can't really get a good feed, so I wasn't able to watch the whole thing. But, I mean, the guy was just – he was making everything from 10 feet in, put, putting his balls off. And uh, he's going to Oakmont to play in the amateur championship. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, these are the kind of things that we really need to highlight, uh, not necessarily on the pod, but we, we, we don't have, uh, we don't, we don't pay attention enough to our local golfers. I mean, we've got some great talent here. We, everybody that goes to Oakbourne uh, probably pays attention a little bit more because that's where the Cajuns train. And, you know, we have some really good trainers there that, that work with amateur players. Uh, but, but, We've really got a solid program that they've built over there. Theo's done an excellent job, and I would love to pay attention to them more going forward. So maybe in season four, I'll get some kind well, of a segment that you I know, can rant with. I know, I know Louisiana doesn't really claim Rust in a Shreveport. But, I mean, dude, look, look at what Sam Burns is doing. No, it's two of the best golf courses up there on, uh, on, in on the, the entire South. On, on the PGA Tour, look at, look at Sam Burns. I mean... Yeah, Sam actually had a good the, run today. I was about to say, the last I checked the leaderboard, he was... He was up there, and let's see. I'm going to pull it up real quick because now I'm intrigued with the Louisiana kid. But, you know, there should there's so many golfers here. I mean, this is a golf state. It's sportsman's paradise. It's not just for, it's not just for fishing and hunting. I mean, we play a lot of golf. We play good golf here. And uh, look at the A-Bears in Lafayette, legends. I mean, there's just too much talent, and there's too much golf community here. Uh, and I think that the Raging Cajun golf program is underserved. Okay, wait, wait, wait a second. We're, we're talking about golf. I pulled up the leaderboard for the Open Championship. And excuse my French here, but did Lefty shit the bed today? Dude, he DFL'd. I think he was plus eight after 17. He's plus 10. Oh, that hurts. Tied for 155th. Uh, that hurts. He tees, off know, at, but, he tees off at 347 this morning. Look, if you bring it up, Good you know God. what I'll say, right? He he's gonna sit next to his Wanamaker and just uh, yeah he's gonna say I won the PGA. So. I mean, look, Sam ended up shooting a cool seventy one. So yeah, one over. He's one over. Not terrible. Tied for seventy fourth. Yeah, he's not out of it. He didn't play his way. No, out, he's gonna. Have no, he's not out of do, it. So yeah, um, the coverage was good, man. I mean, look, if you get up early enough, you can really enjoy some primetime golf for uh, you know across the pond, not here, obviously. Let's see, earliest tea time. Earliest tea time that I am seeing. Should be like 130. 1230. 1230. 1235. 1235 a.m. is the it's is a the, long day over there. So is the first tea time that I'm seeing. Um Jordan Speeth, like like Josh said, the people's champ, tees off at 826 a.m. tomorrow morning. And look, um, so that'll be that's on, that's what three o'clock? 
uh, over there? Something like that. Two, three o'clock, something like that? Even Look, Rory had a rough go of it on the front nine, but on the inward nine, he really came together. He ended up shooting level par, so shot a 70 today. Um, but he he's making some very concerning swings. Uh, but look, he did it. He grew up on a Lynx golf course, so he should maybe be able to put something together tomorrow. Wind's supposed to pick up. Weather's supposed to be kind of nasty in the afternoon. Uh, should yeah, be that fun makes, to that watch. makes for good golf across the pond. In. Hell yeah. So anyway, shout out to Charlie Flynn. Awesome accomplishment, man. Rooting for you. We'll be watching. Yeah, no, no question about it. You know, we're going to go ahead and take a break right here. And when we come back, we are going to get into what you guys have sat here for an hour waiting on. And of course, we're talking about some raging Cajuns football as we are 50 days away from uh, from kickoff. Yeah. Horns down. Oh, wait, Horns hold down, on. Baby. Hold on. Don't, don't do it. You're going to get a penalty called on you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Rage interview. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana Athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. 
Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Award Masters for all of their needs, and you will too. Award Masters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Award Masters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Award Master, the recognition and personalization experts. Welcome back to Rage and Review. You know, one thing I, I want to touch on, being a kid that, that grew up listening to country music and, and classic rock, the fact that I have created a podcast where our intro music and our bump music is Jay-Z and NBA Youngboy just makes me feel good. You're welcome. It just makes me feel good because, you know, that's just not something that I, I listen to. And I've never been the person that's like into the trends. So the fact that I'm with it now, it, it's it's pretty sweet. I'm, I'm enjoying <laughs> Except it. Except that that Jay-Z was hot like 20 Bro, years ago. <laughs> you know what? I guarantee you right now, if you if you played PSA in Nighttown tomorrow night. Place would explode. Oh, what would it? It would be ridiculous. Welcome back to Rage Interview once again. Gentlemen, let, let's let's dive into the topic that, that everybody has been sitting here patiently waiting for us to do. And of course, that is Billy Napier's army. And, you know, the first thing that we have to talk about, and it's probably what we'll spend the most time talking about, is the biggest news the university has had all offseason, and honestly, probably ever. And that is, of course, the announcement from a couple weeks ago where Our Lady of Lords Regional Medical Center is going to donate $15 million to the renovation of Cajun Field in exchange for the naming rights. So it will now be known as Cajun Field at Our Lady of Lords Stadium. It is the biggest... I'm going to butcher pronouncing this. Philanthropic, how, how you say Philanthropic. That? Thank you. There you go. It is the biggest that gift in school history in the in the history of the athletic department. I mean, dude, fifteen million dollars. You know, to a diehard LSU fan or a diehard Texas fan or even a diehard Alabama fan. Not that those ever exist, but. You sit here and you they're like, oh, $15 million, that's pocket change. But due to a school like you, that that's half your yearly athletic budget. Well, it's not even just that juxtaposition. It's also, we don't have a history of winning games. Well, that's we true. A, 
we don't have a history of strong fan base. We don't have a history of good support. We don't have a history of, I mean, look, outside of the 80s and early 90s, we don't really have a booming economy here historically. Right. That's kind of relatively new here. So the fact that Lafayette has become a medical hub, a technology hub, and, and those things are really blossoming, you see things starting to pay off. Now, look, some of that is because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like our governor, but our governor expanded Medicare, Medicaid. It expanded into the healthcare. Uh, business and really open it up for people that were not historically able to have health care. So because of that, a byproduct was, look, some of these hospitals and these specialists were able to make more money. And I think that this is a part of a larger picture of the health of Lafayette. But even what's even more exciting than that uh, to me is that, you know, from what I understand, private donations have been a lot higher than expected. And a second thing is that we're going to start this thing. People, they're going to shovels and grounds at the end of 2022, or I'm sorry, at the end of 2021 and real big progress starting in 2022. Now, look, you can also look on the east side of the stadium where the students are. And we've already got, uh, now I understand that there was money allocated for that before, but just to say the progress is palpable. You can see it. It's happening. They're, they're putting an awning over the concessions on the east side. That's going to help for students. It's going to help for capacity. It's going to help for the Greek life. It's going to help the band. It's going to help lots of people, the weather, whatever, whatever you, you know, however you want to spin it, it's going to be a positive uh, going forward. So the fact that we're getting the gift is amazing. The fact that we're starting like really soon, even more amazing. You know, I'm, I'm, I think what's more what makes me excited, you know, Josh, you make a good point about, the fact that we don't really have a tradition in the past, but because we haven't really had the most tradition of winning, you know, anytime you, people don't want to associate with you. Right. And, and that goes for corporations. I mean, I remember for the longest time, there've been so many different corporations, whether it's oil and gas, the food industry, tourist industry. I mean, we've asked so many people and so many different companies to sponsor Cajun Field, and they don't want to put their name on the stadium. Part of the reason why was that, well, I don't want to put my name on a stadium that hasn't been touched in 50 years, right? And so, you know, for Our Lady of Lords to come in and, and, and have trust in the university, have trust in the athletic department to say, look, once you put your name on this, we're going to raise a lot of money, and we're going to go fundraise out to the, to the Acadiana area and beyond to make sure that your name is going to be on something very pretty and something you can be proud of. That's enormous because that also, that's a testament to the university being committed. I mean, we've never had this much commitment, whether it's from Dr. Savoie, Dr. Maggard, the entire staff on campus to be able to push a project like this 10, 15 years ago, this was a dream. And for the university to come in, look, I got to give my kudos to everybody associated with this project in that university to, to give them the green light to do it because you know, if you told me 20, 20 years ago with the former regime who didn't put anything in athletics that we would do something like this, man, I would have been like, man, I got an island I want to sell to you in, in Oahu. You know, right. there's no way. There's no way. And, and so to see the commitment from the university, to see the commitment from the athletic department, and to see the commitment from the community and the fan base to, who, who wrote the checks, to the fans out there who wrote the checks and, and, and participated in this fundraising effort, I mean, kudos to all of you, you know, even, you know, the RCAF, same thing, our board members, whoever, whoever was associated with this gets a kudos because this is something that this is huge. And, and I know we had tweeted something uh, we had tweeted on, on our, on the region review 
Twitter page about for years we've dreamed of this. Well, now ready for ready for takeoff. It's time to take off. We've sat at the tarmac for too long. The, the plane has finally started and taxied and it is full throttle. Time to take off because this is only the beginning. And I think move, going from here, uh, this is something. It's a it's a foundation of what could be of what we can build on. Oh yeah, moving forward with with this with this program. But very Matt. proud of of just a full effort from everybody here. Yeah, real quick, I got to say, Jerry absolutely nailed it. The fact that a brand like Our Lady of Lords wants to do business with this this program, this university, all of us, everybody invested, the community is so huge. You cannot undersell how big that is because like he said, for years we were told no, told no. And it it was a, look, (laughs) it took a lot of people to make this happen and it took a lot of time and it took some risk involved, you know, and it's a lot harder to make a fire bigger than to start a fire. And this commitment and, and gesture by Our Lady of Lords can really spark a huge bonfire for the program. And I'm not just talking about on the field. I'm talking about development around the complex. I'm talking about moving the university forward. I'm talking about admissions. I'm talking about all of it. I'm talking about taking the brand, taking the university, taking the community, and really elevating all portions and facets of it. This this is such a huge ordeal for this community. We we really cannot undersell it. Well, can can we talk about the idiots that sat on social media and talked about how this couldn't be possible because a public institution can't partner with a Catholic organization? Look, man, there's a lot of idiot a lot of idiots out there. Let, the let's talk. Let's the, talk. Let's talk about that insanity for a moment. Well, the one thing that social media has done is revealed the true level of stupidity that that exists in this world. Because some of the things that these people were saying on that website, uh, well, it wasn't website; it was it was Facebook. Yeah. Um, it was the it was the developing to, Lafayette Facebook page. That's why I tried to avoid that. That dude, it was it was absolutely asinine. One guy I remember very I remember very vividly. One guy said, and I quote. Wait until the Supreme Court gets a load of this. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, do you know what a Supreme Court justice would say reading that document? Bye. Next. Well, and, and also, you get too, out of circuit court. Like, look, come on, too, man. But, but let's be honest, okay? How many levels, whether it's a board, compliance, how many people have to approve of this? Before and Well, also, well, let's much, be how well, much red tape do you have to go through already? Before you even you even put this out into the public, not only not only that, to people and lawyers about this already. Not not only that. Let's talk about the fact that religion probably played zero part in this. I mean, you really think that Brian Maggard and T. Joe Savoy and all these all these board members sat there and said, "Hey, let's find a Catholic organization Guys, to to our, fund our state." They didn't care our, about that. Who Our paid Lady us the most? Our Lady of Lords is a corporation now. They're not even managed by the Franciscan sisters anymore. That is so long ago. Do, do you not think that these people know how to avoid paying taxes? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, I mean, he's not true. wrong. Yeah. It's it's utter true. stupidity to think that we broke the law. Right. All this time, all putting this deal all together, and well, you know what we forgot oh to do? God. We forgot to check to see if it was legal. Are you oh. kidding me? <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. The red tape you have to cut through to be able we, to, we, to we sat it whether it's but whether or not it's 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 a it's an organization, whoever, you have to go through the process and it has to 
how many you have to go through like 10 different approvals well, no you can wrong wrong don't don't you know how it happened our board members and their board members sat at corner bar and said hey here's an idea hey, let's do this that's how we used to well, get it done actually at the correction it was poor but yeah i, I see what you're saying <laughs> whatever let's 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 <laughs> here's an idea what if we did this this and this sign here like, but come on, man. You still you still have to get approval. And so well, no. I mean, obviously like, I'm being obviously I'm being sarcastic. Of course, they went through right. every piece of red tape imaginable before even thinking about announcing this deal. Yeah. I mean, it's dude, just, this this talk has been it's been in the works for four years. It's another example of in-state people being so upset that this university is finally elevating itself. Yep. That they they're just foaming and at those the mouth. people and those people live across the basin, and, and they probably do, and they're just foaming at the mouth, and they can't wait to get on their little phones or their devices and type out how bad and how how you know we're triggered and we're breaking the law. It, it's it's to this point we have won the name battle, we have won the the battle to get us in an elevated position to continue to grow the brand and the school and the community. We've won all that. So all they have left to do is to bitch and complain like impotent jerks. And uh, that's just what they're going to do. So we got to learn to laugh at them. Oh yeah. It's like hilarious. They deserve to be laughed at. It's hilarious. And uh, it, it really is. We're in a great position. So it's, it's just funny now. All right. Well, you, you know, here's, here's another thing too. And it's, I'll add on to what I said last time about, you know, whether it's our lady of Lords or whoever putting a name on our stadium, it goes to show you it, it's all about stroke. It's all about that certain sense of power that it, it gives us, it gives the university leverage to be able to brand itself. When you have corporations coming in saying, we want to be a part of your university, look at, look at what Louisville profited off. Well, look how Louisville profited when Papa John's went to them and said, we want to name the football stadium, Papa John's stadium. Look at, I mean, pro that probably helped them get into the ACC, right? When you have names like that attaching yourself to or the university. What, what about so, their basketball? What about their basketball arena? Sure. Freaking KFC. When you have when you have corporations coming in saying, Hey, look, we want to be a part of this, that's For not sure. just the corporation. Oh my gosh, the corporation's a part of it. That's the testament to God, the God, we 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 talk They're shit. Put their name on something. We we talk we talk shit on them all the time, but look at South Alabama. Sure. With Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney. I mean, that's huge. They're they're the biggest. They're the biggest chain bank in the South. And to add on, and Joshua bringing up a point about healthcare. Look, healthcare has become the big the big dominant industry in Lafayette. You got to find a way to take advantage of that if you're well, U.S. Absolutely. I mean, in, in Louisiana, I mean, between, not just Lafayette. In Louisiana, I mean, look, Oshner's bought out half the state already, and they're right. look they were ranked the top. They're a top ten hospital na nationwide. They're a great yep. company. You've got LHC Group that put in that huge donation to the university uh, a few months ago. They they're looking to do some projects with the school. You got you got Our Lady of Lords stepping in the to, to put their name on Cajun Field. I mean, you you gotta you gotta take advantage of this. You know, when you have this industry that's dominant in your area, take advantage of it, man. And all these people that are complaining, understand this is good for the community. This is a good thing. This isn't bad. Whether or not look. I'm sorry if you're offended, but this is good. The long run, this is a good thing. We've been waiting for this for decades. Yeah. No, I mean, the the people the people that that are getting butt hurt, like Josh said, they're they're impotent. They probably live across the basin, and they're just they're just pissed that we're we're finally finding success. 
Well, if it's across the basin, and I've said it once and I'll say it again, there's a lot of things at their school that they should be worried about well, or what, worrying about what we're doing right now. I'm just saying. Dude, we, 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 can host, we can host a whole season of Rage Interview talking about that. They need to worry about at their own school fixing their own right. problems internally before worrying about us. Gentlemen, can, can we get to the on-field product, please? Let's do it. Because yeah. there is a litany of, of things to talk about in terms of the on-field product. You know, ten and one last year overall. The only hiccup being against COVID Carolina, and I mean, I don't know if I'd even call it a hiccup. I mean, we played well. You know, you were missing you were missing eight, nine, ten guys starters due to due to COVID protocol, and you you owned you only lose by three on a last second field goal in a game where you handed them the football with two minutes to play. I mean, you you eliminate that that interception in the end zone late, you win that football game. So, and and to, to think that you were an interception away from a perfect season last year is uh, having two perfect teams in the Sun Belt. Well, never mind. That's a dumb statement because if you wash yourself out, wash your mouth out with that. If we were, if we were perfect, Coastal wouldn't have been. So forget I even said that. But anyways, well, they weren't perfect anyway. Well, uh, apparently, thank they you. Can't kick a field thank goal. You, thank you, Liberty. In the bowl game. Thank, thank you, Liberty. Thank you, Liberty. Exactly. So, um, you know, here, here's the here's the thing that that's, that's mind boggling to me. You, you take the COVID nineteen eligibility rule into effect. Quiz time. How many starters is Louisiana losing this year? Total. How many starters? Either one of you know the answer? Four? One. Correct answer is two. Dang. Wow. We're losing one on each side of the ball. <laughs> You're losing oh one on each side of the ball. On offense, you lost Elijah Mitchell. And Trey Regis. I mean, I guess you could enter reverse the two, but since Elijah was technically the starter, you're only losing one starter on offense. And then quiz question part two, can anybody guess the starter on defense that Dylan. didn't return? Joe Dillon. Joe Dillon. Yep. That's what would be my guess. Yep. Joe Dillon. So think Levi Lewis, Chris Smith, Errol Rogers, Kyron Lacey, Dante Fleming, Peter LeBlanc. All your offensive line from last year, Mitchell, Rubio, Marks, Vallow, Torrance. And then on defense, Manak, Hill, Jones, McCaskill, Gardner, Podesclo, Butler, Trahan, Washington, Garner, Garer. I mean, dude. All of our specials. It, it makes sense. Oh, and then, and then, and then let's get into the transfers. You get John Stevens Jr. from TCU lining up at wide receiver. You get Jacob Cabote from Texas A&M at running back, who, episode, future episode plug here, I sat down with Phil, Phil Steele the other day. We'll bring that to you all probably next week or the week after. And uh, he, he says that Jacob Cabote is going to be the newcomer on the team that makes the biggest impact. He also said that John Stevens was going to be the number four, or he said that he rated him the number four transfer in yep. uh, Sunbelt. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, dude, up and down this roster, 
we we are just another interesting fact from the Phil Steele episode. Our offensive line combined 140 career starts. Wow. You know, 140. It, it really does make sense why there's a lot of people picking us to win that game in Austin. And when you really lay it out, when you really talk about the number of returning starters and you talk about new guys coming in who can make an impact right away. Bro, with, with, a, with 140 games of experience, Levi Lewis could crawl around the backfield and would be fine. Right. I mean, it's, it's, sure. it's ridiculous how much talent. And really, they would tell you the offensive line thought they could have played better last year. Yo, absolutely. And then, you know, you look at the That's schedule. Incredible. You look at the schedule, and it's actually incredibly, I don't want to use the word easy, but it's definitely advantageous to the it's Cajuns. It's according, according, according to Phil Steele's magazine, it is the number 96th most difficult schedule in college football. That's hard to believe. It is number 96 on the difficulty Dude, rankings. Look, there, there's some landmines on that schedule. I mean, you open with Texas, but then you go Nichols, Ohio. At, at Liberty. At Georgia Ohio. Southern. Yeah. At, at South Al. You're home to host app. You get your bye week. You go to Arkansas State. You're home against Texas State and Georgia State. You go to Troy. You go to Liberty. You host ULM. Liberty. Two Texas, games. Two games scare me. Two Liberty, games. Liberty, Texas, Georgia Southern, App State. At, There's about four or five games that are pretty tough. I mean, look, I think we win the majority of them, but they're going to be some tough games. At Arkansas State is always – it doesn't matter how much better we are than them. That's always a tough game. If you if you ask me, looking at the schedule, looking at the amount of talent that we have returning, anything less than 10 wins is a disappointing season. Well, look, when you have your head coach saying we're vying for the top five G5 team – they're not coming here to win nine or ten games. They're going. Yeah, they want any, to go anything, to New Year's Six. Anything less than ten wins is a disappointing year. Yeah, I I, I give I give us two losses. I, I think it's I think a ten and two season. Anything and anything above that, obviously. Um, but I think I think anything less than that, and and that's crazy to think about, dude. Ten years ago, if you'd have told me that this Cajun a Cajuns team would have gone nine and three. I'd have been like, hell yeah, sign me up. Dude, if you would have said 10 years ago, we'd have a shot to beat Texas. You know, I mean, to be and now and now we're sitting Texas here. Anything less than double digit wins is a failure. Like, bro, what? This is crazy. Well, Bill oh, it's, but built a team. It's, he he built a, he built, I mean, he built a powerhouse, is what he did. And I think one thing we've been able to do is we've been been able to take advantage of it. Um, I don't see this team losing. I'm with you, Matt. I think this team should win 10 games. Now, granted, you may slip once or twice. It happens. But I don't think if, if I'm if I, I'm being I just, I just don't see it with this team, man. If I'm being know. if yeah, I'm being injuries. one if I'm being 100 percent real, you know, not a Cajuns fan looking through it, just being real. You lose to Texas and then you either lose App State or Liberty. We we don't lose to App State at home. We're not losing we're not App losing, State. No. We're not losing App State at home. I, I think I think you lose to Texas and then either App or Liberty. That's that's I think fair. Um, I, I think every other game on the schedule, if you don't win it, 
that's disappointing. I would keep an eye on Georgia Southern just because. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know. Now, granted, we're two and zero against them at their place, but they, for some reason, they just turned. Dude, right. I'm telling you, home, man. I sat down on the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt podcast the other day, and my my co-host on that podcast, Brian Stone, he is the writer for Georgia Southern, mm. and we sat there and we talked about it. Last weekend in September, Polson Stadium is the last place I want to be, especially right. especially coming off a year where they couldn't be in the stands. That's the last place I want to be. I agree. Yeah. And speaking speaking of that schedule nuance, I'll tell you, you call this a hot take if you want, but I'm just telling you, I am way more scared of Liberty at the end of the season on the road than I am of Texas in game one on the for road. Sure. Yeah. For no, sure. That, yeah. I, yeah. You know, but Phil, you know, Phil Phil talked about that too. You know, you're you're catching Texas at the perfect time. New head you coach. You always want to catch, yeah. Inexperienced quarterback. They're coming off of a couple of years where they weren't very good. Their fans are very agitated, starting to get a little empathetic. Or no, apath- apathetic, should I say? Um, you, you're, you're getting you're getting to a point where the iron's starting to get a little hot. And you you need you need strike. Well, any P five, you're always going to want to catch them the first game because they're they're still kind of learning the system. They're still trying to kind of get in their groove. But with Texas, you definitely we're catching them at the perfect time because, like you said, brand new head coach. And look, Sarkeesian's a great coach, but it's a new coach, nope. new quarterback. Ellinger's gone. Wrong. Ellinger's gone. Look at that dude's look. Look at Steve Sarkeesian's head coaching record. Well, look, in his defense, he was drunk most of the time, so. It is atrocious. <laughs> I, I still wouldn't underestimate him, though, man. He is a, he is a great, he is a great offensive coordinator. He's a great assistant. Head coach, oh, dude, he's, he's awful. Don't underestimate him, man. Don't his, underestimate him. His total, uh, his total as a head coach is 46 and 35. His best season was 2014 at USC when they went nine and four and they won the Holiday Bowl by a point. I still you, wouldn't underestimate something him. against the Holiday Bowl, man. I mean, hey, that's a big bowl. I mean, not at USC. Oh, look, I don't think Sarkeesian's a very good coach, but thing is, is that he's been giving he's been given uh, a talented roster. Now, inexperience, yes, but they're gonna have talent. Texas always has been talented. The knock is, is they can never put it together, and I hope they put it together just in week two. Right. <laughs> well, unfortunately for us, I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, I, I say it's bad because we're no, and it's a compliment to us, but we're they're not gonna overlook us. We're not under the radar anymore. Uh, I bet you the they do. Win. They will not. I they bet you not. they do. We are not the rental win anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Those kids are going to sit there. You you know how kids think today. This is exactly what those kids are going to do. Bro, we're Texas. We're playing some Sunbelt school. We're about to run these boys. That's that's exactly what they're going to say. I think that y'all are both right. I think y'all are both right. I think 
yes, we're we're not necessarily a household name, but we're not dog meat anymore. But at the same time, we're not TCU. Their we're coaching not, staff won't overlook us. Right. Their players will. That's a good way to put it. Their players will. I think that they won't they won't overlook us totally, but I don't think that they're going to be up to play us like they would be in a conference game. Nope. Well, you got to remember too, they did the same thing to Maryland two years in a row in the opening games and lost. So if they're stupid enough to do that, bro, you you think you think Texas you think Texas knows how to learn a lesson? Well, when you Come lose on, two man. years in a row to Maryland, when you lose two years in a row to Maryland, I would hope anybody they kept they kept Tom Herman three years longer than they needed to. You think they know how to learn a lesson? But and and then even Maryland, you know, that's a that's a P five team. It's a household name, even though they're a basketball school. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that we're at the. I level mean, bro, yet. they they got to a junior quarterback. Yeah, and think, look, that I roster think. has turned over too. So I don't think that we're to the level to where they're going to get up, quote unquote, to play us. But I I don't think that they'll totally just dismiss us. Well, I also think, too, that the media has been – I mean, look, we've heard it on Twitter. We've seen it all over media. A lot of media people are picking us to upset them. And so if the players the players read those things, you know, that's going to motivate them there, too. Now, granted, Matt, I think you're right to an extent where, yeah, they have that with Texas mindset. But if I'm playing – it doesn't matter who you play for. If, if somebody's picking some school to beat us, especially a team that I know we should be. That's going to motivate me as a player. Like, okay, you think that this team's going to come into our house and upset us like this? No, no way. I mean, the way the media is talking about it, it's I don't like I don't like getting this type of attention. I like the attention and the fact that we're getting respect. I don't like the attention going into the Texas game. That Bro, this is this level of talk. You 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 can never put the words. I don't like this level of conversation. No, 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 no. That's, but that's why I clarified it. I love the fact that we're getting respect. I don't like the fact that they're talking about us beating Texas in a way where. It why can, not? If Texas, because it gives a bulletin board material, man. I like oh, being under the radar. No, because here, here's the thing, bro. Here, here's, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to drop some knowledge for you real quick. Even if we go to Austin and lose by two scores. If we compete, again, I've said this multiple, I'm not a believer in moral victories. But if you go compete on prime time like that, dude, people are going to take notice. That is a quote-unquote win for your program. It is. you, And you can't argue to me why it wouldn't be. Going into DKR Stadium... Going into DKR in Austin, competing your ass off, and losing 38 to 24. As a fan, I'm pleased. It depends. So, like, I, I keep going back to the game two years ago in the Superdome against Mississippi State. Okay, okay. Where, that, that game two years you know, ago in the Superdome, we didn't compete. We handed them the oh, game. Well, we competed. We should have won. Of course we competed. We should have won the game. Mm. There, there's a difference between competing and handing them the game. When I when I say competing, when I say competing, I mean hanging around and falling short. Two years ago in New Orleans, we handed them the game. Well, competing also means like staying with a team. Like you know, you can't come. I mean, unless you get blown out, you're always going to be competing. If you if you hang happens. around, if you hang around in Austin and you fall two touchdowns short, I'm not going to be mad. Well, it depends on the semantics. Again, if they beat us by two touchdowns because they're just better than us. 
then yeah, I will agree with you. But if we turn the ball over five times, like we did against Mississippi State, I'm not going to be happy because we should win the game. I think that's where it depends. I mean, and and I think we can compete. I think we can win. Um, but I don't want, I, I'm not going to be happy if we turn the ball over five times and give them 20 points off the of turnovers. You know, we lose by seven to 10 points. That's going to frustrate me because then I'm like, well, we should have won the game. But if they come in and they beat us because they just, they're better than us in the trenches, they get some big plays and they just out talent us. Then absolutely, dude. I'll, I'll I'll be okay with that. It doesn't matter because we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna go to Austin and whip their ass anyway. So and I'm talk mad shit all the way up to it. I don't care about flying on the radar. <laughs> but you know, here's here here's. But I love this conversation. I love yep. this conversation because finally we can actually sit here and say we can beat the Texas Longhorns. Well, here's here's the here's the, here's the thing. That, you know? Here's the thing that's absolutely ridiculous. Big Twelve Media Day was today, and uh, Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell was asked if Steve Sarkeesian called asking for advice for facing Louisiana, what would your answer be? And this was Campbell's response. I would say they would have been right up there in the big 12 in terms of talent. They play really hard. They believe in their football coach and they've got a really talented quarterback. I couldn't tell you all what's coming back though. I know they've got a pretty good roster and their quarterback is coming back. They're a football team that believes they can win, and part of having success is believing, and they certainly believe. Okay, right That there. was a very nice thing to right say about there. his daddy. That was awesome. <laughs> but right there. He went know, there. Oh, my God. The attitude, the attitude of our team believing we can win. I mean, I can't tell you, 15 years ago, we had guys that really didn't believe they can win. I mean, this team – our, the beauty of our team is we're going into Austin expecting to win. Absolutely. We're going into Austin expecting to walk. The, out the, the, ex, the expectation, the expectation of this football season is 12 and 0 in a new year six bowl. Absolutely. I love it. I mean, I that that's the, the expect- players know that that's the expectation. The players know that. Um, and, and, and I mean, I don't think that that's out of reach. And you know, and, and, and Matt, that's kind of the point I was bringing up, you know, how they asked Matt Campbell, like, Hey, what do you think about, what would you tell Steve Sarkisian about Louisiana? I'm flattered by it, but it's like, man. No, like dude, bring it. Up. No, dude, bring it. God, Talk. I love, I love getting. I love. You want to know? Love. You want to know why people? <gasps> no, dude, because because then he's gonna sit there and tell tell Steve Sarkeesian, you better be scared of them boys. Oh, how much y'all want to bet those Texas boosters? You better be scared of them boys. Dude, those Texas boosters are probably in Sarkeesian's ear like every day. Like, hey. Don't overlook that team. Don't overlook Louisiana. Y'all better not lose to Louisiana. Hey, that Louisiana team's really good. They can come strike you. Don't. don't. Dude, Steve, those, Steve, Sarkeesian, <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian doesn't last two years in Austin. He doesn't we'll last see, two man. years in Austin. We'll see. By their expectations, he might not. Josh, you're muted. I was asking if he if his contract was five years, I think. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Dude doesn't so, last two years in Austin. I think they'll give him three years. But you know, I don't. Do you think he'll win? Do you think he'll win there? I think he'll do exactly whatever other coach has for the last fifteen years. Mediocre. He'll go eight and four, eight, eight and four, nine yeah. and three, and they'll play in the uh, you know, the, the Alamo Bowl, Bowl. The Holiday Bowl. They'll they'll, they'll play the they'll play Bowl. they'll play in the Alamo Bowl, and and you know, once in a, once in a generation they'll make a Sugar Bowl and they'll and win, like and then and then they'll and then they'll sit on the podium and go, "We're back." Mm-hmm. 
saying yeah, that shit play, at the at the Muffalotta Bowl. Ellinger's Ellinger such like an asshole. They'll play in the Texas Bowl against like Memphis. And right. And and when they win by three touchdowns, oh yeah, Texas. Oh my gosh, Texas. Right. Yeah. No, whatever. All right, let, let's play. Let's play a. Let's play a game. Okay. Looking at this year's schedule, what's one game that we should win that scares the crap out of you? Oh, God. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I think the Georgia Southern game was the one that's later in the year, right? Last weekend in September, week four. Okay. Well, that, that changes it. Arkansas State. Okay. Late October. What do we have before the Arkansas State game? Like the week before is a bye week. It's a bye week. Do well, we play during I, I the say week? I say I say a bye week. It's a it's a Tuesday to a following Thursday. Tuesday, so not a full week or a week and a half. It's nine days, week and a half. Well, that that helps actually. We go from we go from App State to at Arkansas State. Still could be a letdown game. You play App State and it's a slobber knocker on the road. Arkansas State is always tough. You want you want to know what game I'm most afraid of? I wish I wish we had a hot take button because I'm I'd have to hit it after this one. People are gonna look at me like I'm stupid. ULM. Nichols. <laughs> eh, no. Nichols. And I'm gonna tell you why. Lindsey Scott Jr. If we had to play third string against their first string, then maybe. <sighs> I don't know, man. That that kid that kid had a full ride to LSU. Look, he's great. I st- I just think our debt's just gonna outpower. I, 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 and I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. But it, it's it's a perfect us in Texas situation. But if but, you if you overlook those kids, will. I don't want fans to be disappointed. And I'm sorry, Matt. I oh, dude, Nichols Nichols, off, Nichols is gonna hang in there. I don't want fans to freak out if Nichols hangs with us for at least a half. They're gonna hang with us. I'm, I'm just saying they are, and they will. I, the, and, I'll, and look, I'll give them. I'll give them. I'll give them one up. They're gonna hang with us for three quarters. Meh, possibly. I think our depth. I think our depth gets. I think. Through. I think going into the fourth quarter, we're only up. Out. We're only up a touchdown. Meh, maybe. Yeah. Look, Nichols. Nichols. That, has that's gonna. History, that's gonna be a bit. That's gonna be a better game than a lot of people are probably under, believing. Under Tim Rebo, man, they have a history of giving of giving uh, FBS schools a run for their money, regardless that's, of who they are. And um, especially, especially if we beat Texas, that game. That game against yeah, Nichols. That game against Nichols scares me that much more. Now look, now that's a good point. If we pull it off, and uh, we turn around and play Nichols and we sleepwalk, yep. that is a little bit terrifying. That, that's that 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 scares me. That game scares me that much more in that scenario. Um. So so, Josh, what was yours? He said Arkansas, well, Arkansas State. State. Arkansas State on the road coming off of App State. It helps that we have nine days off, but still, Arkansas State is what it is, man. They we just historically struggle there. Okay. Uh and Matt, you said Nichols. Mm-hmm. Um Go ahead, Jerry. Say you owe him. No, 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 not this year. Not this year. <laughs> not no. any um, year. Which is you kidding ironic, me? but ironically, again, and I've brought this up two years ago, for the last twenty five or twenty six seasons that ULM out of the ten or eleven times ULM has come to Lafayette, we have not beaten them by more than a touchdown hey, each time. Hey, don't don't which don't is you, cra- it's a crazy stat. Don't you worry, don't you worry your pretty little head. Changes. Don't you worry your pretty little head. Grandpa Terry is gonna revitalize ULM <laughs> football. 
I think I think that changes this. Pop, Papa not, Terry, Papa Terry's gonna take care of Monroe. Don't you worry. Well, look, look. I'll give him this. He's he's gonna try. Don't um, you know who the hell I am? If not, I'm about and damn it. Said, <laughs> but <laughs> I think he's gonna do okay. But I think he's gonna peak. Um, but I don't think ULM is gonna be the problem. There's actually two games that kind of concern me a little bit. But I have to pick one, right? I mean, what's what you two? Um, so I'll say the first one, believe it or not, of course, is going to be Georgia Southern. That might be my biggest okay. one that I'm concerned about. Because, well, first of all, I, I can't show hate for Georgia Southern because of what they did to, for, to Rustin U in the New Orleans Bowl. That was right. beautiful. So they'll always have a place in my heart for that, okay? Um you know, I have a weird, a bad feeling, and you guys might laugh me off the pod, man. You know, one game that just sticks out to me, and and we've won a few times. Don't don't man. you don't you don't you say it. What am I gonna say? No, go go ahead go ahead and make your statement. I'm concerned, man, and and, and look, we spanked them the last time we played, but they're very hot, cold. You saw what they did last year against Coastal. I think we will win, but I think we're gonna have some trouble against Troy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I just Troy is very. They're very I mean, volatile. I mean, I'd, I'd rather very you volatile. say I'd rather you say Troy than what I really thought you were going to say, and I thought you were going to say Texas mean? State. Oh no, no, no. Wait, but that, I, I thought I thought you were going to say Texas State. Come, look, they and, come and then if you if you just said Texas going to San Marcos, maybe. But if you just if you just said Texas State, improve that roster. If you just said Texas State, I'd have laughed you off the pod. No, that they got to come to Lafayette. That's true. But Ar- Arkansas, I mean Troy. Troy, I'll, I'll buy. I'll buy into Troy. You have to go to Troy. Yeah. Gunnar Watson's got another year of experience under his belt at right. quarterback. He never leaves. He's still there. He's like a cat. He never leaves. He's got nine lives. You know, you're like. So I mean, I, I I could see Chip Lindsey's a good coach. Chip Lindsey's a good coach. I, I think it's a good. That's a good selection yeah. there. That, that I'll, could be. I'll, I'll buy that. I'd buy that. But 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 here's the thing about Troy. They can either be the team we destroyed two years ago by 50 points, or they can be the team that took Coastal, you know, to the wire. Yeah. They're one of those teams that you just don't know which teams. They're like South Alabama. You don't know which team's going to show up, you know. And I, I hope that their passing game plays right into our secondary, which our secondary has been outstanding these past few seasons. So I hope that that could be an advantage for us. But you just never know. Um, but – my main team is Georgia Southern, man. Georgia Southern, dude, they – you go to Paulson, it's it's tough. Yeah. They haven't beaten us yet down there. Dude, they're, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to do this, and and I'm sorry. I guess this isn't a, an original idea from 1420. We're going to start playing buy or sell on, yeah. on, on this podcast. Just call it something else so it's not a ripoff. Well, I mean – it, it, it's also yes, not 1420's original thumbs idea. Up, I mean, dude, P- PTI, like, PTI does buy or sell. It, it was kind of like my idea to do good, bad, and ugly, but call it Acadian French words, bon, pas bon, and villain. That's the way we should do sure. it. Sure. Hot, hot or cold or something like that. We, we, need, we, need to, we need to start, we need to throw out hypotheticals and see if we'd bite on it. <laughs> that, that'd okay. be fun. I got, I got one real quick, just, just off the top. More likely, Coastal goes 12 and 0 or 6 and 6. Six and six. Ooh. Six and six. 
bro. Say right in between, bro. Four, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. No, no, no. That's that's not the question. You got to pick one of the two. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm gonna pick six and six, and I'm gonna tell you why. Grayson McCall and Teddy Gallagher. As much as I hate that blonde mullet man, mad respect for what they can do on a football field. However, outside of the two of them, that entire roster is a fluke. Two, two words. Sophomore slump. Yep. That Coastal entire Carolina, roster is a fluke. Coastal <laughs> COVID Carolina will lose. And I Kansas. hope every Coastal fan hears this. Coastal is a complete and total fraud. They walked in and surprised some people early in the season. They got some momentum. And then they had an easy schedule the rest of the way. And look, credit to them about the BYU game, but let's not forget. Who'd BYU play? Who'd they play? Well, BYU had to travel across the country on a day's notice. They didn't even have their equipment until the day before the game. They weren't ready to play, and Coastal showed up. I'll give them credit for that. But outside of that, the game wasn't that good. They were They they were played like crap. No, dude. And, and And then the very next week, Troy, bro, Coastal had to score a touchdown with 30 something seconds left to win the game. Yeah. And if Chip, no, Hansi dude, just, that's he has this idea that defense is optional. If he didn't, they would have won the game. They win. They win nine games at best at best eight and four. Well, app, gonna, app, wins, app wins the East. No question. Okay, so if I, if I, okay, so no, st- th- to answer your question, closer, which is closer between 12 and 06 and 6, I say 8 and 4, so I'm going to say 6 and 6. Yep. Um, I yep. don't think they go undefeated. Honestly, I think Kansas, I don't think, I don't think they beat Kansas a third time in a row. I think Kansas nope. upsets them. I nope. really do. Would that really be an upset? Yeah. Well, yeah, because Kansas is pretty much the lowest of lowest. I right still now. don't know if but I'd call it an upset. Moving, moving forward with them, they got to go back to Boone this year, and after the way the, the actually players treated their fans and the way that they, yes. they handled actually, I'm, I'm a, State sniff. They're 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 hunting for blood. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my I'm gonna change my statement. I think it's more likely that they go twelve and zero. Let me tell you why. Have you looked at their schedule? Yes, I have. Let's do this. Good God Almighty! They open with the Citadel. Okay, win. Kansas. Loss. At Buffalo. Loss. Ooh. Really? Ooh. Buffalo's good, man. Ooh, I don't know, man. That Dude, might they lost loss. they lost their running back. Who else they got? They have a good program. They Dude, just their bad. their coach just got okay. coached to go All to right. where? Do you remember, Jerry? It was it Kansas? I think it's Kansas. I think he went to Kansas. Yeah, because yeah. There was a, since Turner Gill did the same thing. I think this the yeah, I want to say yes. it's the Buffalo. Okay, so so so, so say that's a loss. UMass. It's on the road, right? Buffalo games on the road. Yeah. Yeah, that's a loss. Oh, that's a loss. Yeah. UMass. That's a win. They'll beat UMass. Yeah. ULM. That's a win. Where's the game? Conway. That's win. a win. At Arkansas State. Loss. At App State. God, I hope so. Loss. That's Drubbing. Loss. Troy. Where's the game? Home. Conway. That's a win. Win. That's a win. At Georgia Southern. You know what? Stop. Ooh. Troy's going to win the game. <laughs> in Conway? No. No shot. No shot. Not in Conway. They should have beat him last year. I, I will give Troy, I will give Troy's Coastal be better. I will give Coastal their credit. Outside of that one ass kicking that we gave them at home. 
they are a good team at home. They are. They win games at home. I'm going with loss to Troy. At Georgia Southern. That's a loss. I think they lose to Georgia Southern. I Georgia think they State. And, and win that game. Ooh. That's a win. They play. They got to play in Conway. That's yeah, it's in Conway. Win. win. Conway. Texas State. Loss. I mean, win. Oh. That's a win. They're, they're, they're I was about to say, come on, man. Oh, that, yeah, that's a win. And then, yeah, and then add, add, South, add South Al. That's a win. Win. Okay, so according to you guys, they're going eight and four. Well, That's I got I Troy. Said. I got Troy. According according to Phil Steele, their schedule difficulty number one hundred and twenty eight. <laughs> it's like dead last. It's, it's the easiest. It's the easiest schedule in college football. Oh God, they're gonna go. It's the easiest schedule eight in college and four football with the easiest schedule, and then they're gonna still be crowing on the on the boards and everything. Oh, we're the best best team ever. <laughs> we Idiots. saved the G five. You know who? You know who's got a hard schedule though. You know, I'm just, I'm just flipping through the, the Phil Steele magazine while, while we're talking about this. Georgia State. Number 74, according to Phil Steele. I like Georgia State this year. Army. Oh, nice. At North Carolina. Charlotte. At Auburn. App State. At ULM. Texas State. At Georgia Southern. At Louisiana. At Coastal Carolina. Arkansas State, Troy. That's not, dude, that non-conference schedule. That's a brutal schedule. schedule. Yeah. Well, hell, that, that stretch that stretch of three straight road games at Georgia Southern, at Louisiana, at Coastal Carolina. Oof. Bro, that's brutal. Well, look at that. Look, Charlotte's not easy. Army's not going to be easy. Auburn and North Carolina. I mean, that, North, North, Car- North Carolina, as much as I respect Georgia State, North Carolina is going to drag them through the dirt. Right. North Carolina is going to be, they might contend with Clemson for the ACC. Yeah, they're good. How that, good? That's going, that's going to be a squad. They're easily a top. And it, and it just team. further, it just further cements Mac Brown's legacy as the freaking man. People Amazing thought, people thought he was washed up the last couple of years at Texas. They fire and bring in a young guy. And what what does Mac do? Says, eh, you know, I'll go to I'll go to Chapel Hill and turn those somethings around. That's un- unbelievable, man. That would I be. How, I don't know how anybody can say anything bad about Mac Brown. He's the only person in Texas, well, in Austin, for the past what forty five years to do anything to win well, a national title. Yeah, go to two national titles. He lost the other one because Colt McCoy got hurt. That's I mean, right. I mean, outside of outside of him, the last forty years for Texas football is pretty mediocre. I mean, hell, they fire him, and they're on the look. He got fired in twenty twelve, and they've been on they're on a third head coach in less than a decade. Hasn't bro, been the same since. Bro, you know? ULM has the no, number. They went the Nebraska route. ULM has the number sixty four most difficult schedule. Oh man, Dude, they got they got a tough one at Kentucky, Jackson State, loss Troy, at Coastal, Georgia State. Liberty, South Owl, at App, at Texas State, Arkansas State, at LSU, at Louisiana. Oh, they might go over. Just like they did last year? (laughs) Two years in a row? That might be an accomplishment. Look, if they can, that Jackson State game is actually going to be a really good game. Dude, 
Hey, September don't 18th. Un- don't underestimate, dude. Bro, we don't have a game that Saturday. I might drive to Monroe and go watch Dion. A little trivia for y'all. A little trivia for y'all. I don't think a, a swag school in football has never beaten a Sunbelt team. Yo, li- live live pod from Malone Stadium? This may be the first time that a swag school can beat a Sunbelt team. Y- y'all want to try and get Dion on Rage and Review? That'd be dope. If you could get... Oh, time. yeah. I, I would definitely... Dude, prime time oh, yeah. is yeah. He's cool. Yeah, Dion. Oof. All right. Well, we got, we got way off track here. But <laughs> no, that's all right. Listen, the, it's fine. It's football season. You know, Everybody gets excited. It's it's crazy to sit here and say that we are six weeks away from the biggest football season in our school's history. You know, because you know we, we talk about it all the time. Ten years ago, right right before right as Mark Hudspeth walked in the door, if you would have told me, hey, ten ten years from now you're going to hire a guy named Billy Napier. And you're going to be a top 25 college football team. I'd have been like, who? And then I said, yeah, okay, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll be lucky to make the New Orleans Bowl. And, 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 and then, and, and then sure as shit, we did that four years in a row. But, Just make any bowl. Well, right. Make, make, make a bowl. I mean, I would have settled know, for not sucking. I mean, hell, no, no, no disrespect to Billy. But, you know, up, up until recently, I only followed, like, only stuck to UL and what whatever got talked about on, on SportsCenter. You know, I didn't really dive into college football. So the, the day we hired Billy Napier, I went, who? Well, a lot of people went who. Like, a lot like, of people didn't like, know who Billy Napier was. I, I had no idea who Billy Napier was. I'm, I'm glad I know the man now. I don't ever want him to leave. I was very excited because I like offensive-minded coaches. I want to. I want to. I want to turn his two million into three million. Being being an being an OC at a Pac-12 school, I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. But can he bring that brand of football? And then I looked at his resume. Uh, being a wide receivers coach at Alabama. At Alabama, I looked at the resume. I'm like, wait, he coached at Alabama for five years, and he was he coached he coached years? Julio Jones. He coached Calvin Ridley. He coached uh, Jerry Judy. And he like, was Dabo Sweeney's, and he was Dabo Sweeney's first offensive coordinator at the age of 29 at Clemson. Yeah, are you serious? I said, man, where do we get? How do we get? How do we pull that off? I hope he can bring that to to to, to this program. And well, not we not are. just I not mean, just on the field. You know, uh, you guys mentioned all these players that obviously are legendary now, but look at the recruiting classes he's pulled in. You know what's funny is you know under Ricky and under Hood, we didn't make a huge deal about recruiting, maybe because we weren't used to following it. But some of these names that he's pulled into this program, transfers, uh, you know, whatever, JUCO guys, some of these names are like top 50. I remember we used to have a conversation when HUD was here and we'd say, you know, we should be able to land five, six, seven of the top 50 in the in the state. There's no reason why we can't pull in the top 50 and, uh, you know, a few of the top 50. You guys realize just this class, we've got like three or four. I think Zion Chris was the fourth commit that yeah. was a top 50 player in the state. Yeah. I mean, three star after that's three our, star. That's our wildest dreams, dude. Yeah, I, I don't get into the star rating because I think it's mostly bullshit, but the, t- the type of players that he is pulling in, I mean, look, every year it turns over, you see these guys getting better, more you know, stronger, For more, sure. uh, 
you know, smarter on the field. Um, he runs a good program. You know, guys are not in trouble, but they just keep turning them over. We're getting guys drafted. We're getting guys on, you know, national publications that people are really paying attention to. That means we're hitting. And then not only are we hitting, we're developing. So it's, it's a multi-pronged system that he's, that he's put into place and it works and it's been proven to work. So yeah, he's got the pedigree. And of course we know his coaching abilities, but the ability to build a program has been astonishing. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely, it's it's absolutely mind blowing. Uh, Jerry, you want to say something? Well, it's his model. Um, you know, the structure, it really, you know, he said, I think in his first year, um, what did you, they asked him on an interview, what did you learn under Nick Saban? He said, well, Nick Saban talks about the process, right? Where it's, it's, it's a structure, it's a formula and you follow the formula to a T in every little thing you do, right? Be a champion in everything you do. And Billy's taken that and he's adopted it and he's used like, I think he said something like 85 or 90% of that model. And he's added some of his stuff in there, but You've seen with the model how it's come to fruition, even at a school like ours, you know, to where we're now a top 25 program. And we, we've been perennial losers for decades. For and decades, He took man. this model and turned us into a powerhouse in just like two or three short years. And so the beauty of what Billy Napier does is he's, he's a very attentive to detail. He gets the right people. Look, I mean, look at his staff. Guys like Jabbar Jaluk, Tim Leger. I mean, these guys, you know, they've been there. They've, they've been, you know, uh, yep. we, we've got coaches that coached in the NFL, you know, it's like, you know, uh, like coach Seagrass, you know, he coached in the NFL. You're like, man, wh- where do you get these guys from? I mean, think, realize, think, think about, think about I the mean, fact that our offensive coordinator got poached by the New York football giants. Is it the giants? You and we still don't talk me? about that enough. We still don't talk about it. Enough. <laughs> then look, are you, I mean, are you had kidding relationships? me? We talk about relationships on this pod a lot. Billy had the relationships Maggard gave him the ability, the resources, the tools that he needed to go out and got, get the guys, and they have responded. And they, I mean, look, the machine is it's set in motion. But look, I don't know what our record is as far as Phil Stills Magazine. 17 preseason all Sunbelt selections. Yeah. 17. That's 17 almost two of them. full That's teams. Ridiculous. Wait, 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 wait. I got to call out who was the Goofon Coastal fan that was like, oh, does Louisiana have this many? And he said, like, oh, Coastal's got 19, uh, 19. I believe that that particular magazine, we had 20. Yeah. That was <laughs> Athlon, Athlon Sports. Idiots. So oh, you know, we're 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 hitting the the two hour mark. Man, you know, what what a fun first episode back into season four of, of Rage and Review. With season four, here here's something that we're gonna start doing. We're going to do mini episodes that aren't going to be UL related. And here's what I'm getting at. Points in the world of sports that have, you know, any level of, of pertinence. You know, UFC 264 this past Saturday with, with Youngsville's Dustin Poirier beating Conor McGregor. Um, you know, Jerry and I, we're big so- and Josh too. We're, we're big soccer guys. Talk about talk about Euro. Um, you know, stuff like that. Big big sporting events. I want to start doing you know a 15, 20 minute episode where we just we kind of talk about it. We share our thoughts, blah blah blah. Or you know, if there's something 
going on in the area outside of UL athletics. That's big. Like, okay, in April, we'll have an episode talking about festival. You know, some, yeah. just something, something new to do. Um, so if you guys have any ideas, please feel free to send them to the Twitter page. You can DM us at, at the Raging Review Twitter page. Um, you know, just just something new. Obviously, we always have to evolve as as the years go on, and this is I think this is the way that we're going to do that this year. Yeah. Also, a thing that we kind of started to do last year, but it didn't really come into play until later in the season. We want to find a way to engage immediately after events. Um, we tried something. We, I called it the Miguez Minute. We never really came up with a name for it, but. We want to have some sort of reaction. You know, ESPN 1420 is basically defunct now, but they used to have the Rage, the Rage, I think it was called. Yeah, the post-game show. Yeah, it was called the Rage. And, you know, sometimes we get participation, but really it kind of fell flat. And we want to revive that, but we want to do it through Rage and Review. So a lot of it's probably going to do take place on Twitter. But um, if you guys think that that's something you would want to see or something you guys would want to hear from us about, please let us know. We're going to work our way around it. It'll be something short and quick. Or if it evolves into something else, we can, you know, move around things and try to be available as much as possible. But we, we typically would get good responses from those types of yep. things. So uh, let us know. Let us know, and we'll make that happen. Speaking of which, I would like to ask you guys, I figure we do a small preview of, of these type of episodes, but what did you guys watch the fight the other night? Uh, Dustin and... Okay, I, I have made myself a vow, and my lovely fiance, love her, you know, whatever words you want to use, she hates the UFC. She hates fighting in general. Mixed martial arts, wrestling, you know, whatever. She, she doesn't it's get the point. It's all about peace and love. She doesn't, get, she doesn't get the point. Right. And I, I told her, I was like, babe, you know, just, just let me buy the fights that Louisiana guys are in. So, you know, we, we buy the Poirier fight and we're sitting there and she is just getting so into it. It was great. She's sitting there, punch him, hit him, elbow. What are you doing? Why, why are you on the ground? Like, dude, it was hilarious. <laughs> and then, you know, McGregor, McGregor snaps his leg and he falls. And I remember just sitting there going, holy shit, Dustin Poirier just broke Conor McGregor's leg. Because let's, let's be honest, this episode is going to go longer than I wanted it to, but that's okay. McGregor can sit there and say all he wanted to, that there were stress fractures in his leg before the fight. That's a load of crap. Because I'm telling you right now, I don't know Dana White personally, but I've read stories about him and, you know, I have a general idea of how he would react to this. If one of his prized fighters came up to him, you know, weeks before the fight and said, Hey, Dana, I've got stress fractures in my leg. You think that fight's happening? No, <laughs> no, it's not. Dana White would have said, okay, go have surgery. We'll postpone it two months. We'll do it in two months. That fight didn't have to get done when it did. 
So the fact that McGregor is sitting there saying, oh, there were stress, you know, talk to Dana White about it. Talk to the UFC doc. That's a load of crap. You are upset that your ass got beat and you want to go sit in the corner and cry about it. Did y'all see the shirt that Dustin Poirier wore around town today? I did. Yeah. It says McGregor on it. And the G (laughs) is Connor sitting in a wheelchair. It is hysterical. That is terrible. It is, so it is if anybody listening to this podcast has a connection with Dustin Poirier, A, have him come on the pod. And B, tell me where, how, and how much I have to pay to own one of those shirts. I will make <laughs> it happen. Or better yet, can we call Jake Paul and get one of those sleepy McGregor necklaces <laughs> that he got made for Dustin Poirier? Because that's, you know, that's funny. It's it's a shame because I, I consider myself a McGregor fan. Oh, to um, but of how I, I got how it. how can you be a fan of that? Um, I I can't even I can't even use the words I want to use. Well, a lot of it. Look, man, if you if you watch him off camera, if you watch him in interviews, he's a lot of that's for show. He's a promoter, and I think with me, you know, look, don't get me wrong. I pulled for Poirier. I went for Dustin all the way. Every time he fought McGregor, I pulled for Dustin. I always go local there. But when he's not fighting someone local, I'm usually pulling for him. But the thing about McGregor this time that I thought was very unusual with him, I thought that the trash talk, number one, was below the belt, obviously. Yeah, you you number don't two, you do not say the things that he was saying. But number two, it felt forced. Like before, I think well, because most of the time his opponent would do a lot of trash talking to him he kind of rolls off of it and responds to it a lot better. And it kind of flows easier because Dustin's so level-headed and chill. It felt like McGregor was trying to force it this time because the, the second time they fought and the first time they fought, it was trash talk back and forth and Dustin was reciprocating. Then the second time they fought, both were very respectful towards each other. Dustin was still the same. Even McGregor was trying to get his name. He was trying to get back into the octagon. So he was very chill. But then I guess after Poirier beat him, this time around, he comes in, just starts and starts, I guess, forcing the trash talk to where Poirier was still the same Dustin where he was just, look, man, I'm just here to fight. I'm not here for all the theatrics. He even said it a few times. I don't like this stuff. I just want to fight. And then McGregor starts going after his wife. He starts going after him, talking about I was going to put him in a, a what is it, he, a stretcher. Well, and I'm like, M- McGregor, McGregor said yeah. that they would. McGregor said that they would need a body bag. When like he why, was done with Poirier. Why, why, why is that even, even if he try, you don't, try you don't, fight, you don't say but, things like that. You don't say something threatening another person's livelihood. But if, he, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand he's, he may think, oh, I'm trying to promote the fight, but you can promote the fight without saying that. 100%. And, 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 and going that route. Bro, it's Conor McGregor. The notorious one. All you have to yeah. do is say his name and the fight's promoted. Exactly. And I just thought, you know, watching the press conference, it was just. Dude, I, I honestly, really honestly, if it, if not, it was another fight, cool, if, yeah. I, if I was just some everyday UFC fan and it would have been anybody other than Dustin Poirier and I heard Connor saying stuff like that, I would have never bought the fight. That would have turned me off so much that I, I wouldn't have even cared anymore. And look, he can say what he wants. The reality is McGregor, he wins most of his fights in the first round. If he goes anywhere more than a round and a half, he's usually in trouble. He's gone the distance a few times. 
But and he got and, and to, to, to those times he lost. But when he got out that chokehold that he put Dustin in in that first round, where I'm, you know, I'm, my buddy and I are watching. Oh, like, dude, I, I thought Dustin was I, done at that moment. I thought he was done. Well, he gets out the chokehold. He starts elbowing McGregor in the face on top of him. That's when I looked at my friend. I said, dude, Dustin, Dustin's got this. Well, He's you know, at, at that point, according, according to Poirier, at that point, the leg was already broken. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying. Because according, point, according like, to Dustin, McGregor, McGregor broke his leg about 30 seconds into the fight. When he checked him, yeah. yeah. McGregor can't win. He doesn't win fights that are more than at least a round and a half, two rounds. He just no. doesn't. He, go, he doesn't have the endurance. Mm-hmm. Dustin, on the other hand, is the complete opposite. He gets better as the fight goes on. I, mm-hmm. I, I still think, I still think Dustin. If if McGregor doesn't hurt his ankle, Dustin oh, knocks him out. D- D- Dustin finishes that that fight in the second round. I mean, I you you, you saw you saw that moment where he was elbow like you talked about. He was elbowing McGregor on the ground. Herb Dean almost stepped in and yeah. called it. He, yeah. he almost called it in the first round. So, I mean, yeah, if, if, if you let that continue into the second round, oh, yeah, it, it was it was, still, it was going to be over not much longer after that. The guy's on the ground with a broken ankle, and he's still talking trash. I'm like, dude, just stop. Stop yeah. talking. Call, call, he, he called, he up, called Joe Lee a hoe. Um, your wife is in me DMs. Like, yeah, your, really? your, your wife is in me DMs. Your wife is in me DMs. God, like, what an idiot. Really? What really? an idiot. Really? And, Dang. you know, I, if anything, he there's a lot of fans that were fans of his. They lost respect for it. They of course they did. You want to know why? Oh, because he was acting like a prick. Acting like a child. Yeah, that was that wasn't cool, man. That, that was, yeah. And, so and then you lost. But, you hey, lost it, it's fine. Because yeah. now, now Poirier gets a title fight. Uh, against more than likely against Charles Oliveira. Um, and again, more than likely into this year, very early next year. Um, so that'll, that'll be fun. Cause I don't know if you've ever seen any highlights of Charles Oliveira. That dude's good. He's good, but uh, he is we good. We at a rage and review had to show love for, for our boys. Absolutely. The, the, the diamond. Congratulations. With a diamond on this on his victory, or um, as as my fellow people would say at El Diamante, <laughs> I was I was out of town, um, but but yeah, I, li- I, living life in the beach. Oh stop! Oh bro, you 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 you're, you're a world traveler, you. Yeah, it's a full five hours away from here. Total total uh, world traveler, but I you know my friend was looking at me going, dude, what's I wonder what Lafayette must be like right now as Poirier was walking out into the octagon. It was uh, it, it was wild. Talked to a few of my friends. One of them was at Buffalo Wild Wings, and he said, dude, the place was just when, – when he got out of that chokehold and started wailing on McGregor, uh, that place went nuts. And I can about imagine the reactions around Lafayette. Down, was downtown was crazy. Fireworks, probably popping fireworks when he won. You know, uh, down, Downtown was crazy. Josh, did you watch the fight? I did not. Yeah. I would never pay $70 for a UFC fight. <laughs> but That's why we went somewhere, yeah. Yeah, here's the thing. I was watching Copa America anyway, but um, I like Dustin Poirier because he's local and he does it right from all accounts, and that's awesome. But here's the thing about McGregor, man. His value to Dana White and the UFC is his mouth. He's been given carte blanche to say whatever the hell he wants to say. He's been given carte blanche to do whatever he does, and and I think sometimes he gets out of hand, but they allow it. Yep, they let him do it. People buy the fights because he's a master 
he he is the best that there is at getting a reaction out of people, yep. kind of like Don King used to be, kind of like Mike Tyson used to be. That dude made twenty three million Ali. dollars. He he made twenty three million dollars on that fight. He did. You think he Look, cared? Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali was one of the first. You know, I right. mean, he was a prom, a self promoter. I mean, look. So the thing I about think, I think ninety five percent of what he says is all BS. I think that he crosses the line way more than he should. But at the same time, I think that they nurture that. They want him to say that stuff so people will buy the fight. Yep. Oh, I don't buy into it. I, I'm not a you know people you know things have migrated from boxing to wrestling to UFC. But people love a heel. They love a heel. Conor yep. McGregor is the ultimate heel. I just I, I don't. I don't like that. I don't like it. It's not for me. I, I like Dustin because he represents us well. Great. And I watched the highlights. And of course, all of the memes and the videos and everything were hilarious. But uh, no, I just, I was never going to pay $70 for that. Well, I mean, prime example, the Floyd Mayweather McGregor boxing exhibition, they probably made more money on the promos inviting 20,000 people to watch them trash talk back and forth. Exactly right. Than the actual fight, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and that's the thing about McGregor. You're right. He does sell. Um, he sells the promos. I mean, look, he makes a ton of money just doing promos rather than the fight. You know, right. they got to go do their tour in the arenas and he trash talks back and forth and he probably makes a good bit of money doing that. No, dude, he got $5 um, million just to walk in the octagon. <laughs> that's insane. You know what I mean? Dustin, with all the pay-per-view and everything, made $5 million. McGregor made 23 plus million. Yeah, no doubt. No so, doubt. yeah, but I also think that he was a little bit humiliated. And I think that that kind of pushed it over the edge towards the end. Um, but again, dude, he's like a child that you don't check. If you don't discipline a child, they're going to just push the edge and push the edge and push the edge. And that's what happened. And he started, I think some of that shit was real because I don't think Jolie gets up there and flips him off and on national television if it's fake. Right. Well, I mean, you, you went personal and I think, I, yeah, look, and, and that's what I mean. Yeah. He got humbled the second time around or he got humbled in January. And I think because of that, he uh, felt, disrespected and he felt like he had to prove something but you're kind of mcgregor man you don't have to prove something by you have you have nothing to prove you just show up again you just show up there's nothing to prove that's all you do you show up you don't have to say those things about jolie his wife and all this other stuff if the if the dude if the dude keeps his mouth shut he goes down as the greatest usc fighter in history well apparently he deleted a tweet about going after the uh, dustin's kid like dude what is what are you doing stop yep Stop doing that. He he yeah. called he called out Dustin's six year old daughter. Yeah, like that, and then deleted right. it. He did that. No, the the that, dude that, the that, dude's that. messed up. He's he's that's in a bad place right now because he, cool. because Dustin his, said it right. Guy's a dirtbag. Yep, that's not cool. Karma Karma's not a bitch. She's a mirror. <laughs> Love that, bro. Anyways. And 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 you know I'll I'll end it with with the greatest line of, of that night. You can kiss my whole asshole. If you don't like it, <laughs> bro, uh, absolutely. He, he sat there and said, for all y'all booing, you can kiss my whole asshole. The crowd applauded. The Dude, crowd that applauded was, that. that was legendary. But that, that was, was legend. You know, and then, and then after, and then after the post fight comments, he hit, he hits the billionaire strut in front of McGregor. <laughs> oh dude it so clumsily oh too. my god oh that made it even better it was great yeah, it, so it was great i'll tell you what dustin made some new fans that night for oh sure. my god uh, all right so two hours and 15 minutes later episode number one of rage and review season four is in the bag boys this was this was a whole hell of a lot of fun sure good was to good back. to be back hey one quick last thing before we go uh there's been some talk about 
maybe some grassroots movements to get the band to Austin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been talking to the band director uh, today, and we're going to get all the details. But if cost is the only issue, and there's not COVID protocol that we have to dodge or anything like that, if cost is the only issue, uh, we're going to start a campaign to try to get the band, even if it's just a pet band, um, to Austin. Now, look, it's going to be expensive. We're looking at anywhere between twenty six dollars and $30,000. But if every student gives $2, the band gets to go. Okay? It's, it's not that difficult to do. And we're going to start it and we're going to push it. So I'll, be, I'll get back to you guys on that. Social media is probably the best way to find, um, you know, progress on that situation. But we're playing one of the biggest games. It is the biggest game, the biggest exposure in the history of the, of the school and the program. We got to get the band there. That's got to be a priority. So let's just try to push for that. So we'll sum it up like this. This is our goal. Our goal is to hear the UL fight song when the team takes the field September 4th at Dow K Royal Stadium. Right. And I think it's a mistake our, our if we don't is, try to get it done. Our goal is to hear is to hear the pride of Acadiana play the fight song, is to hear the fight song when the Cajuns take the field against Texas. That's the goal. And the only way for that to happen is the band's got to be there. Right. I want to yeah. hear the fight song when that team takes the field. So, yeah, be looking for more on that tomorrow and maybe into Saturday. You guys know the drill, RageInterviewPod.com, social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at RageInReview. And we'll be back early next week with the first, we'll, we'll figure out a title for it, but the, the non-UL episodes. Uh, we'll, 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 figure out a, we'll figure out a catchy just, title. It's just a working title, guys. Don't worry. For it. Uh, so, so stay tuned on that one. Cajun Nation, it was fun. We hope you're ready for it, because we sure as hell are. Everybody have a great night, and as always, go Cajuns. Tell them, Owie.